When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. You've tuned in to the 49ers Rush Podcast, and here is your host, John Chapman. All right, 49ers fans, we lose another one to another bad team. We lose to the 3-7 and Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a score of 27-9 to on the road. This was a huge blowout as far as the game script was concerned. Uh, you know, they were two-point favorites at home which means we were supposed to be at least competitive and to lose by 18 points to one of the worst defenses in the history of the NFL is pretty pretty disheartening. But uh, what we're going to do, we're going to go over MVP of the offense and defense. We'll break down the drives, injury updates, and then at the end of the episode, we will be spending a lot more portion of our time on draft stuff. <laughs> it is that time, 49ers fans. We are there. You know, we are now 2-9 and nine record, and as of now, we have the number one overall spot for the NFL draft. And I'll be going through the schedule of different teams and basically where the best case and worst case scenario as far as draft goes. Now, again, I do not believe in tanking. I will never. I just can't do it. I'm a competitor. I have to fight for everything. (laughs) It's in my nature. But anyway, we will cover those. It's kind of the silver linings at this point. So right off the bat, let's go with offensive MVP. And it was kind of rough to look for, but Matt Breida... He has just been amazing. He, I, I think that this guy is going to be around for a very long time for the 49ers. And it doesn't even matter, you know, if we get Jet McKinnon back or, you know, draft somebody. It doesn't matter. Breida is a perfect fit in this Kyle Shanahan system. The only concern that we had of him in the offseason was his catch rate, you know, uh, below 50% last year. And that's just not the case anymore. Uh, he comes out and just has a great game. And, I say he had a great game. This is the exact same type of game he has had all year. He has 14 rushing attempts, which isn't much, for 106 yards. He averaged 7.6 yards per carry. That's nuts. (laughs) It's, It's unreal. This guy is leading the entire NFL in yards per attempt, you know, and we don't get the ball to him a whole lot. A lot of that has been due to injuries. He could have had better numbers on the ground this game, but we got behind so much uh, early, and then we just kind of sat him down in the fourth quarter. The game was already out of control, and so we wanted to let our, you know, rookie 
get the ball some and see what he could do. But even in the passing game, you know, he got four targets. He caught three of them for 34 yards. And this is what has been special. You know, if we look back last year, again, 50% catch rate, one of the worst in the NFL. And we love to pass to the running back. Well, already this year, he's up to 83%. You know, 15 receptions on 18 targets, and that's before this game. So if we move those numbers over, he's going to have 18 receptions on 22 targets. That was fast math. Man, I'm glad I went to college. But this guy has been just very, very dependable, and he is the MVP. He didn't get into the end zone, but we only scored one touchdown. So that that's going to affect that. Now, inactives affected this game big time. We had our top two wide receivers out, Marquise Goodwin and Pierre Garçon. And in an interesting note, one that I really, really liked, Kyle Shanahan decided a coach's decision not to make Alfred Morris active. That's huge. And he wanted to see what we have with Jeff Wilson Jr. Garnett was out, you know, our former first-round pick. He broke his thumb and had surgery. There's a chance he could play next week. Sean Coleman, then defensive side. We'll talk about them later, but um, obviously the Ruben Foster news is huge. I don't want to get too much into it here. I did a quick podcast this morning, Sunday morning, depending on when you're listening to this. Uh, and I talked about that, you know, for about 10 to 15 minutes. I just went over how I feel about that, what led up to it, what we could take away as 49ers fans, all those things. So if you want to go back and listen to that, that is going to be the previous episode. Uh, I want to focus on the game, and I, I'm basically done with all of my Ruben Foster talk. I would much rather spend time uh, talking about our team and people that are making good choices. Um, so having said that, uh, injuries, man, we really only had one main injury, and that is Jimmy Ward. You know, you kind of copy and paste this guy into the injuries each and every week. He has never been able to stay healthy, and this one uh, seems like he broke his forearm. So my guess is his season is done, and on top of that, I don't think he'll ever play for the 49ers again. I just can't see it. We paid out the wazoo. We picked up his fifth-year option as a first-round draft pick, and that was a huge mistake. He's gone. He will be uh, – he's going to sign somewhere else on a basically a league minimum deal. Um, that, that guy, hopefully, I don't know, maybe he finds somewhere else he can be successful. So let's go through our offensive drives. Each team had 11, and it gets pretty evident and pretty bad – Really, really quick. So right off the bat, we punt on our first drive, and this was because of Dante Pettis. You know, Nick Mullins stepped back and was was reading it perfectly, and he went to go throw it to Pettis, and Pettis just tripped and fell. Uh, there was no one around him. He just fell down. And so after that, he tried to get to his next read. By that time, he was sacked. Um, so it's kind of that was going <laughs> to determine how the game went. Now, the first play of the game was awesome because Breida comes out and rushes for 34 yards on the very first play of the game. Uh, great blocks downfield by Kendrick Bourne and Kittle. And you're going to hear that a lot today. Those guys, Kendrick Bourne may not have showed up in the stat line as much as we would have liked. Um, I I told one of my buddies to start him in fantasy, and, and I apologize big time. He only had two catches for 27 yards on three targets. But what Kendrick Bourne does as well as any wide receiver in the NFL is block downfield. He is very imposing and blocks with his feet very, very well. So very significant in the, the run game, but... Mullins got hit on three out of the first four plays on our opening drive, and you just cannot be successful when that's going on. And a lot of that's on Mullins. Um, not all of it, but he is the idea of Mullins getting rid of the ball quick. If you go back to his very first game, whenever he just totally balled out, 
it was because the majority of his passes were out in two and a half seconds or less. And that has just disappeared. Uh, we didn't see that much at all this game, except for on the touchdown pass. It's weird, almost like you can determine if it will be successful if he gets the ball out quick. Now, second drive for our offense, three and out punt. It was just a bad drive. Third drive, we got one first down to Kittle, but we had a punt again. Pearson is just getting abused by Carl Nassib and Vita Vey. Vea, he had his worst game probably as a pro. The grades haven't come out according to PFF, but as far as just watching him, he was on skates all game, getting pushed in the backfield. The fourth drive, we get our touchdown pass to Pettis. Insane separation on a slant route out of the slot from Pettis. And this is exactly what we saw in film, um, his college his college film. He is a separator. He is a guy. He is exactly what Kyle Shanahan wants. He's got great hands. He can do things after the catch, and he runs amazing routes. However, he constantly is making rookie mistakes. Now, one of the hardest transitions in the entire NFL is rookie wide receivers because you're not used to playing against this complex coverages or press coverages, and there's a lot to learn in the Shanahan offense. We have seen that with Dante Pettis, and it doesn't matter. You can go all throughout the NFL. Wide receiver, rookie wide receivers typically don't do very well. But this was a great game. Four catches for 77 yards and a touchdown on seven targets. There were a few rough routes, and he did get yelled at by Kyle Shanahan on the sidelines a few times, and that's good. He needs to, but we need to keep him out there. Um, I want Marquise Goodwin, and I want Pierre Garçon back, but I want to see Pettis develop because he is going to be our future. Fifth drive, worst drive ever. We punt, um, sacked because Mullins held it too long. Then Mullins tripped over an offensive lineman. It was third and 30. It was just bad. Uh, that's how we ended the half. We had one more snap before the halftime where we just nailed it. We only had three seconds left, and that was halftime. So, uh, right out of the half, we come out and get an amazing drive, but have to settle for a field goal. This was after we got stuffed on the one-yard line three separate times. Seemed like we scored three times, and Kyle Shanahan goes off on the refs, and as soon as that happens, the game changed. I I love the fiery nature of Kyle Shanahan. I really, really do. However, the refs made it a point to stick it to the 49ers after that. You know, I'm not one that usually complains about coaching, uh, complains about officiating. Whenever I was a coach, I never allowed my team to ever say anything negative about the refs because we control our own destiny. And I would even practice, you know, in practice, I would have a flag in my pocket and I would purposefully, after big plays, try to piss our team off just so they can keep their composure. However, you saw Sherman yelling at the refs. You saw Akilah Witherspoon yelling at the refs. You saw Shanahan yelling at the refs. And it seemed like that kind of permeated and uh, everybody's against us type mentality. I hate that crap. And a lot of calls did not go our way. Phantom pass interference calls. They're holding our wide receivers. Absolutely no calls there. We get close to the goal line. Seems like we scored several times. They're not going to give us the call there. Uh, we definitely turned the refs against us in that game. I wish that uh, the refs wouldn't have done that but it's what it is so we get a field goal there eighth drive punt after a few missed throws by Mullins um he's just keeping the ball longer and longer as this game went on I thought they might actually pull him and put CJ in I was glad that they didn't not sure what's going to happen next week though this is back open you know Mullins he had that one good game but it's not looking great after that ninth drive punt three and out 
I, I really thought he was going to be pulled after that, and then it got even worse. Tenth drive interception. He threw into bracket coverage to Dante Pettis on a post route, which is ridiculous because he had over-under coverage. There was no way to fit that in there. Just, I don't know. And then the last drive of the game, another interception. I really do think this will be the last time that Mullins starts. He had a terrible game uh, stat-wise, film-wise, uh, just all bad. He, his numbers, he finished 18 of 32 for 221 yards, one touchdown touchdown two interceptions and took four sacks his pass rating 62.1 that is trash and that's the thing he has so many deficiencies as a starter you know if you go back to my twitter feed i broke down or on my youtube page just search john chabin then it'll pull up but it I, I broke down all of his film from the first game he doesn't have a strong arm he's not big he's not fast but he is quick and he understands where to get the ball to. But whenever you take that out, eh, you kind of lose the strength of this player. So Jeff Wilson looked all right. Uh, seven rushes for 33 yards. Nothing really, really special. And Kittle, he had a good game, but just a lot of bad passes that weren't really on him. He was targeted 12 times, which is about right. That's what we need. He only caught half of those. Uh, six catches for 48 yards outside of that there really wasn't much else on the offense the offensive line got bullied they really really did and the front seven I you know I I said in our preview episode the front seven's pretty beast (laughs) they are very very strong for Tampa Bay and they kind of impose their will which is saying a lot The, the weakness of this team was the secondary and we were not able to exploit that now if we pause And let's look real quick at kind of team stats. Let's back up. This is the reason why we lost the game. It's very, very easy. I will highlight these again at the end. There's three simple things. Turnovers. We gave up two turnovers. We forced zero. Imagine, like I've said that before. And what's sad was this was the team that had forced the fewest turnovers in the entire NFL. Fewer than us. And, of course, we are the remedies to everybody's problem. So we lose the turnover battle, 0-2 to two sacks. We get one sack to Forrest Buckner. They got four against us, so we're negative three there. And then third downs. Good Lord, even Kyle Shanahan, this is the first thing that he said in his press conference. It's really, really hard to win. Oh, after he talked about um, that dummy that got arrested. Um, he said, it's really hard to score points when you're only one of eight for third downs that's abysmal you always want to be above 50 percent. that's kind of the target that you're looking for we go one of eight they go seven for 13 so that just shows you our yards and all that stuff could be great but if we can't put together sufficient drives and change field position you're not going to win games and because of that we lost this game big time so before i jump into the defense i just want to give a shout out to our sponsor man these guys have done so much for us i really really appreciate them game day sports and memorabilia uh, we gave away our autographed frank gore mini helmet last week to at quest for six and he still hasn't reached out to me <laughs> so come on guys uh if you are listening at quest for six go ahead and hit me up uh, message me on twitter so i can get your address so i could send that your way you earned it appreciate you taking part of that and if you didn't win i'm sorry i wish i could give it away to everybody but head over to game day sports memorabilia they have everything that you could ever want as a sports fan if you're trying to get your son or daughter um, jacked up and root for your team during christmas time that is a great way to do it they have men's women's shirts jerseys autograph posters all kinds of stuff so if you're trying to persuade your little one 
to join in your fandom, that is a great way to do it. So just head over there, gamedaysportsmemorabilia.com. Now defense, let's jump over there. Yikes. The one thing you can say about Tampa Bay is this. They are they have an incredible offense. They don't score very much, and they have a lot of turnovers, but they they put up crazy yards. If if you look at them from just a team perspective, they are top three in total yards, and that's with the Rams and the Kansas City Chiefs and then them. Like, they are incredible. The problem is they don't score points, they don't convert to touchdowns, and they turn the ball over like crazy. Well, as we said, we are their remedy. We don't forward, we get one sack and no turnovers, which is almost impossible to do playing against Jameis Winston. But this defensive scheme that we run is just so easy and simple to read if you do not get pressure. This defense works very, very well. We've seen it do wonders in Atlanta, not this year because of injuries, but in the past uh, two years. We've seen it in Jacksonville. We've seen it in Seattle. We've seen it in San Diego. It, 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 it works really, really well as long as you get pressure. And so it starts up front, and then it works to the back. We can't do that. We have the least amount of sacks in the NFL, and we continue to get <laughs> build that deficiency as we got one sack this week, and we actually didn't even touch the quarterback. The sack that we got was because of Forrest Buckner and Solomon Thomas pushed their linemen into Jameis Winston, and he kind of fell down. Like, I don't even think we touched him. He kind of surrendered. But you got to give him credit where it's at. And let's start off with our MVP, DeForest Buckner. Gosh, I love this guy. Uh, he didn't have a great game, but if you look at the stats, there's not really a lot of other options. He had five tackles, one sack, two tackles for loss, and two QB hits. So as far as the idea of getting a sack, the only person on our team, and then two tackles for loss, that is huge. So uh, hats off to DeForest Buckner. If I had to go runner-up, I would say Fred Warner. He played amazing, and for all the focus that is going to be on our old middle linebacker Fred Warner is what is right with the NFL great guy spends his time helping people instead of hurting them and student of the game great teammate fun to watch love this kid yeah, he comes out, he gets seven tackles and one pass defense, and it was a huge, uh, almost interception, but if he didn't intercept, it would have been a touchdown pass to Michael Evans. So he saved a touchdown on that one. Eventually, they got the field goal on that drive. But Fred Warner played absolutely unreal. Now, let's just go through super fast just these drives, and it'll make sense why things were the way they were. Here we go. First drive, punt, three and out, stuffed on third and one by Earl Mitchell. It was awesome. What a great way to start the game. Second drive, touchdown drive to Cameron Brake. Um, and this was the Jaquiski Tart drive. If you make a highlight reel of Jaquiski Tart, he is fabulous. But if you watch game film, you scratch your head a lot. This was all on the second drive. So right off the play, Right off the bat, Jaquiski Tart misses a tackle against Peyton Barber one-on-one, -on -one, and he gets another eight yards for a first down. Okay, The very next play, he gets a tackle for loss in the backfield. Then three plays later, 
He gets burned for a touchdown when he is man-to-man against Cameron Brait. Cameron Brait got separation, juking him in man-on-man coverage on, like, the three-yard line, ran away and got separation from Chiquisky Tart, which is just unreal. Cameron Brait is a lot of things, and you can whatever. I'm not trying to bash Cameron Brait here. He sure as hell ain't fast. He sure as hell ain't nimble. And for Chiquisky Tart to get burned like that on the goal line whenever he's one-and-one, it was just a shake route. Basically, you run five yards up, you act like you're doing an in, five yard in, and you cut out. And golly, man, it was just abysmal. So, you know, Jaquiski Tart is a young guy that this coaching staff seems to love, and I get it because the flashes are there, but man, the negatives are there too. I don't know who else you would play there. I wish they'd bring back my boy Terrell Williams, our preseason wonder, see what he could do. But, that, you know, that's just me. A third drive, three and out. Solomon and Buckner both get pressure to force the sack, which was awesome. Fourth drive, punt. One first down to Evans on a curl route, and that was about it. And I got to give props here. Akilo Witherspoon actually played really, really well during this game. Now, he got called for that huge pass interference call that was total BS, but he was physical. He came up on tackles. He seemed to have a lot of kind of demeanor and was very confident, which is great. But, you know, I got to give him props. This is one of his better games. Then fifth drive, they get a field goal. That was the tip pass by Warner to stop the touchdown. Armstead missed a sack wherever he came almost unblocked, and Jameis just juked him. Probably one of the worst games of the year by Armstead, which is, I want to be honest, Armstead has been one of the top three defenders of our team this year. He has been unreal. He was the second-rated defensive interior player or defensive end or defensive tackle against the run this year, according to Pro Football Focus. Like He has been pretty legit. It's just in the passing game, not too much. Sixth drive, field goal. Um, They dink and dunked all the way down the field, could do basically whatever they wanted. Um, Then it was halftime. Coming back out, touchdown, run by Barber on the one-yard line after that stupid pass interference call. Uh, It was the best coverage. This is what I wrote. Best coverage of Akilo Witherspoon's life. Uh, Finally started watching film and is learning. However, he got called for a pass interference. Eighth drive, touchdown, Uh, pass to Humphrey. So basically they had these the fifth, sixth, seventh drive. They got an eighth drive. Field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. And by that point, it was just over. I don't want to say our team gave up. But, man, we looked bad, and it looked like it was getting worse and worse and worse. The last two drives, the ninth drive, they punted, but that was because of two poor throws by Winston. There was no pressure, and the wide receivers were open. We did nothing to force the punt there. Then the last one, all they did was run the ball just to ruin the clock, or run the clock out. We did nothing to force that there. I guess we stopped the run, but they were telling us what they were going to do. So uh, the defense got bad. I, I – you know, Kyle Shanahan said that the defense did enough to let us win the game when this is on the offense. And I agree, the offense is terrible. You're not going to win a game scoring nine points, going one for eight on third downs. But again, our defense is not helping us at any point uh, this season. They've got to step up. You know, they just got to change what they're doing. I will say that Sayla has been blitzing more often. It's just still not working. So, Let's pause now and let's focus on some happiness if you're still with us. I, I know it's been rough and it's funny. The numbers have just been, I don't know, they're going down, man. It's hard to continue pushing for this team and analyzing this team. You want to have hope. And I think the draft gives us that. I really, really do. We have the first overall pick as of now, and it is a perfect pairing for Nick Bosa 
Oh my gosh. I, you know, people keep asking me, is Nick Bosa overhyped? Is it really, is he that clear cut number one? Heck yes, he is. Um, you know, I've already gone through eight game films of his. Yeah, I'm very big. If you're new to this podcast, I'm a huge draft person. That's what got my start into journalism and covering the draft was the very first thing I did. You know, I did a hundred profiles my first time where I watch at least three game film of every single person and break down strengths, weaknesses, all that stuff. Last year, I bumped that up to over 150 and who knows what this year is going to bring. I already bought my tickets out to Nashville for the draft. I will be there covering it live, but Absolutely love the draft. And Nick Bosa has a higher grade than Miles Garrett had just a few short years ago. I absolutely love this kid's film, and he fits perfectly with what we want to do. So let's just talk draft positioning and go through where I think everything's going to end. So right off the bat, there are three teams that won that had three wins. So basically the draft was divided between the top nine. These are teams with two or three wins in the top nine. Well, three of those three win teams won, and they are now thus eliminated <laughs> as far as we are concerned. The Bucks who beat us, the Bills, and the Browns, um, all three Bills teams. So having said that, we are now a lock to pick in the top six. Um there's no contention there, and I'll get into scheduling later on. But these are the six teams that we have to worry about. The first two are the most important. You have us, the Oakland Raiders, and the Arizona Cardinals. Really, it's those three that are jockeying for that first overall pick. However, this is where it gets interesting. The New York Jets and New York Giants are the only teams in the NFL that beat us out on the strength of schedule qualifier, which basically means uh, head-to-head doesn't matter in draft positioning. It it matters record, and then it goes strength of schedule. We have a terrible strength of schedule. It's one of the worst. But two teams that might be able to beat us when this whole year is done is both New York teams, New York Jets and New York Giants. So if we tie with anybody, we're fine. But if we tie with those guys, I think they will get ahead of us. So – we're a lock for tops and then Jacksonville Jaguars, but they have um, a pretty difficult schedule, so we will not be in contention with them. So really, we're looking top five no matter what. Top six is an absolute lock. Now, let's look at the schedule for the Raiders and for the Cardinals. Both of them have one winnable game only. <laughs> now, I understand it's the NFL, and I, I totally get that, yeah, sure, some teams could, you know, pull off a miracle, whatever. I, I, I'm i not buying it with these teams. They're bad for a reason. So let's look just at kind of what the Raiders have, who's probably our biggest contention for the first overall pick because the Raiders have the exact same need we have. They have their young quarterback in Derek Carr. There's been some rumors that they want to trade out of there because John Gruden's crazy, whatever. They need a pass rush. Uh, They need that Khalil Mack type of guy because John Gruden's an idiot, boastful, whatever. But if they pick ahead of us, they're taking Nick Bosa, I guarantee you. So let's look at their schedule. They play the Chiefs. That's a loss. They play the Steelers. That's a loss. They play the Broncos, which is tough, and then at the Chiefs again. So there's two tough ones here. And one game, the one game I think they can win is at Cincinnati. 
Um, so at Cincinnati, I think they can win. The Bengals are playing about as bad as anybody right now in the entire NFL. As soon as they brought on Hugh Jackson, everything just got worse. I don't understand that philosophy, but whatever. And they also play against the Chiefs in Week 16. The Chiefs could rest some of their starters. So really, there's two possible games there. I do think that the Raiders can win one, which would be an ideal scenario for us, obviously. Now, the Cardinals, uh, again, these are the two guys that are fighting for that number one overall spot. They have one winnable game as well, but their schedule's pretty rough. So right off the bat, they play at the Packers. That's not going to happen. Versus the Lions is their one game that I think that they can win. Then it's at the Falcons versus the Rams at home, then at Seattle. That's not a fun schedule. Um, you know, the Lions, ugh, they, they're, they're not, they, they, got big, they got beat by the Bears without their quarterback. Um, so I, I, I really don't think that things will go well. Now let's look at our schedule. Our schedule is rough. We've just finished the easiest schedule in the world. Uh, we had the Cardinals, Raiders, Giants, Bucks. Nobody with over three wins, and we went one and three down that stretch. Now it gets hard. At Seattle, at home versus Denver. Then we play at home versus Seattle. Then at home versus the Bears. Then away versus the Rams. That is, I don't see a game that we're going to win there. Uh, Seattle is playing as well as anybody right now. The Broncos defense is freaking legit. The Bears, by that time, they're going to have Trubisky, and they might win their entire division. The only game that we have that I think we can win is Week 16 on the road in Los Angeles versus the Rams. Now, hear me out. Last year, we won this game because they were so far ahead that they benched their starters. If they do that, I think we can win this game. However... It didn't work out well for the Rams last time they did that. They rested their starters and got lost in the divisional round in the playoffs. So on top of that, they're not a lock for the number one seed. They actually lost the game head-to-head versus the Saints. So therefore, I don't think that they are going to be able to have the luxury of resting all of their starters for home field advantage. So uh, that's the Rams. You know, I don't see a winnable game. I just really, really don't. Maybe, gosh... The, probably the most winnable game is at home versus the Broncos, but that defense is legit, and we give up a lot of sacks. So that kind of that's going to do it for us. I really do think if I was to pick, I think we're going to keep the number one spot. I, I think that we have the most difficult schedule left. Um, I could see the Raiders, and I could see the Cardinals winning one more game. If that's the case, we will be a lock for that spot. But that's kind of where we're at. So if you haven't already, head over to Twitter. Give me a follow there at JL underscore Chapman. But stay strong, faithful. You know, we got the game next week. We are traveling up to Seattle. And, man, they're playing some good football. But nothing would make me happier than beating those Seahawks and seeing what Sherman's going to be like back um, and for his old team. I'm excited about it. So stay strong, faithful. Oh, it's going to get better. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.